welcome back to the Progress Not Perfection podcast with Dr. W. Thank you all for joining us today. And I am really excited because I have a special guest here with me today. I have Diana here from Watered Grass. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. This is really exciting. Thank you. Um, I'm so happy to be back and talking to you. For those of you who may have heard earlier episodes, Diana and I recorded a podcast a few weeks ago that was on her podcast um, a few weeks ago, and I also shared it on mine. But in case you missed it, we're definitely here for round two of our conversation, and I would love to share some of Diana's expertise here with our audience. So if you could, you know, in case somebody didn't catch that episode, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. Um, So again, my name is Diana Fuller. I am a psychologist who currently right now works in the school system or online in the school system as it is. Um, I am a coach and I am a podcaster. So uh, while I work with kids during the day, uh, the watered grass branch is more about as adults, how do we figure out what works for us and those small habits we can build in day to day to take care of our mental health. I love it. I love it so much. Um, If you haven't already, go onto our website, sign up for our newsletter. I get it. Um, I'm subscribed, so I'm really happy to uh, share that resource with you. So please, if you haven't, go sign up for her newsletter and check out all the wonderful things she has on her website. And we'll leave all the uh, links to where you can access that as well. Thank you, Lisa. Anytime. Um, So, you know, to give a little bit of context on our conversation. So, you know, the topic today is, uh, you know, talking about mental health, but especially during the time of this stay home, you know, um, action that we're in to give a little bit of context um, as to when we're recording this. It is the end of April of 2020. We are about six or seven weeks in to the quarantine um, orders. And at this point in time, we both reside in the state of Connecticut. And at this point in time, our governor has ruled that at a minimum, these orders are still in effect for about another month until May 20th. Um, you know, just just from my observation, um, it seems like this will last uh, much longer than that. But that is the official word that we have at this point. Right. So in case you are listening to this at a different period of time, I want to give some historical context to when we're recording this. Right. Um, So what Diana and I had talked about is, you know, okay, now we're six or seven weeks into this quarantine. What is what is it looking like? What are some mental health things that we need to address and talk about and focus on? Right. Um, So I can at least share I've been working remotely since about the middle of March. It's almost scary to say that, Diana. Oh, yeah. I was counting the weeks the other week, and I think you're right. It's been six weeks of working from home. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, even to start off our conversation, how are you doing with all of this? Um, You know, today, today is a good day. Thank you for for asking. But I think, you know, it changes day to day. And I think that's something like message number one that I think is important Mm. to note that um, when it comes to mental health during a pandemic, it's okay that not every day feels the same and it's it's totally normal to experience different highs and lows. And even those of us that work in the mental health field, we're not immune to it either. So um, right. if you're kind of having that roller coastery effect, that that's, that's a pretty normal response to being in mm-hmm. such a strange time um, with what's going on right now. So I think that's, that's rule number one is to realize you're not alone in this and we're all kind of going through these, these rocky feelings. And, you know, I love that you bring that up because I have to say, like, I went through it myself, like, and I think it hit me like week three or four, Mm -hmm. you know, where I was like, 
I'm feeling just weird. Like I didn't have a, like a way to describe it. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I was moody and weird. And I'm like, but I kind of like being home, but I kind of miss my colleagues. Yeah. You know, I miss my students. I'm like, why do I just feel like, oh, like I didn't even have a word for it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of led to some anger and that led to frustration. And now I'm kind of, okay, well, I'm good now. Right. Yeah. Um, but we are, sorry, go ahead. No, I think it's um, really interesting that like the feelings you're listing, because one of the biggest things that's coming out of this um, and that I've heard mentioned on so many other different podcasts and psychology resources is how what we're Mm -hmm. actually experiencing kind of mirrors the grief process, right? We've all lost Mm -hmm. a part of our lives. We've lost that normalcy. So kind of all at different stages, but working through those different stages of grief where it's, you know, the denial, right? At first we were all like, eh, it'll, it'll pass fast. We'll be back to normal. Right. We all thought two weeks was it. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's the anger. That's what a lot of oh. schools said. Yeah. We were like, okay, we'll see you in a couple. I mean, we didn't even get a real goodbye with our kids because that's, that's the way it was kind of pitched at the time. That's what we knew. Um, wow. You just gave me chills that you said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. That's one of the harder things that is that, you know, for school systems coping right now is it wasn't even that closure that you're looking for that sometimes happens with grief, right? If you know something is coming, but this was almost more of an unexpected one. We said two weeks and now we're at week six. So there's a lot of the anger and the frustration and the discomfort I think comes from that, right? Life just kind of stopped all of a sudden without a deadline. Right. Right. Uh, Oh my gosh. The fact that you said it, it just puts so many things into context for me. I never heard it that way. So thank you so much for sharing. Cause like, you just made me think of everything in a different way, especially that part of like, okay, we're both in education, right? So we can really, you know, on that level, but like, we didn't get to say goodbye to our students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, a big part of our year, right? Right. And seeing them grow and progress and, you know, getting the end of the semester, it's like, even that celebrate, you know, me in college, right? You get to celebrate kind of that end of the semester, like yeah. congrats, finals, all of that. Um but I never thought of it until you just said it. So like, right, denial. And please, you know, help me here. I don't remember all the stages of grief on, off the top of my head, right? No. Anger. There's, yeah, there's usually some bargaining, right? Like, oh, what if we're all really good in our homes? Will it end sooner? Um, we, That's right. Yeah, we have, and then we have the actual sadness, right? When we, we realize what's been lost. And some of us haven't even hit that yet because we don't know when it's going to end and how much loss we're going to experience during that. So it's, it's a process and you might dive in and out of those different stages at different times, depending on what's changing around you. You know, it's, you know, for those of us in the school system, we've had that change. I've had tons of friends that have had to get through the grief stages when it comes to like their weddings. I, we were supposed to go to seven weddings this summer and now we're down to five and all of those couples have different reactions to having to move their date and, you know, waiting to see if it's going to happen. And um, we're seeing birthdays, um, major vacations people are anticipating, just so many different things that um, no no one could have seen this coming, you know? No, no, of course. And, you know, it's I can relate sort of to the other side. Um, you know, I've heard, so a couple things of, that you said, right? I I kind of heard that too. I, again, I'm not a mom, but I see my friends who are moms and kind of they're going through that, um, seeing their children, mm-hmm. right? Because the children are, you know, upset or sad. And then the parent feels sad because their child is 
you know, experiencing this loss, right? Loss of being able to go hang out with their friends or going to school or see their teachers, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, one thing, we didn't have any weddings planned or anything, but, you know, my conferences got canceled. Mm-hmm. Some of them were in March, like right when this happened, and one big one was in Spain. And it wasn't until I kind of processed, because I'm like, oh, it's just so insignificant, you know, like, the, you know, a conference is a conference, it'll get rescheduled, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think I processed, like, I worked hard to get into that conference. Yep. So, of course, I can be upset that it's not happening, right? Yeah. Because going and presenting is sort of the reward for the work, right? Right, right. You know, and I and I just brushed it to the side, because I'm like, look, <laughs> it's a small problem in the grand scheme of things, right? But I didn't let my feelings tell me what they were trying to tell me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that um, is another permission that I think is really important to give ourselves right now. A lot of us, including myself, we do that like there are bigger things out there, right? I shouldn't grieve this small change because I, it could be worse, right? I could, my health could be impacted. One of my loved ones could be impacted, but it's okay to have both. Like you can be sad about, you know, missing the conference while still being grateful for the fact that you still have your job and your health, right? You can be sad about the fact that your wedding is getting moved a year, even though you know it's going to happen eventually. Um, And that's one of the most mentally healthy things that we can do is to actually feel those feelings and work through them because otherwise it's like, it's like this looming bad guy in the back of a movie, right? You know, he's there and you can sense it and you keep trying to outrun it but eventually they catch up in some way. And the longer we wait, the more it impacts like our immunity, it impacts our sleep, it impacts mm-hmm. our relationships. So it's okay to feel, you can have both and, right? You can have gratitude, but still be right. sad for the things that didn't happen or angry. That is such a great way to put it. It's like the bad guy in the movie, right? Like mm-hmm. That's a great, and I'm a very visual person. So I like when you give me these kinds of uh, <laughs> examples, right? Cause I'm like, oh, I see it now. Like I get yeah. it, that's how I understand concepts. Right. Um, it's like, it's true. Like if you're not going to deal with it and you're suppressed, it, eventually it's going to find a way and you're like, why am I crying right now? I just, you know, the old adage of, you know, spilling, it, don't cry over spilled milk. Mm-hmm. Right? You just spilled milk and you're like, why am I crying right now? Or why am I so upset at my right now? Right? Yep. <laughs> and then you dig back and it's not really the actual spilled milk. It's everything that led up no. to that. Right. That's just the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, So it's okay to acknowledge those feelings earlier and work through them so that it doesn't become the big thing. Like I even caught myself last week starting to get those symptoms of burnout, right? I was getting irritable. Mm. Every email that was coming in was one email too many. And and you get those days where you're (laughs) like, I cannot take one more request for anything. And then being able to take a step back and go, whoa, 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 what's really going on here? Because it wasn't the emails, but it was all the pileup of me ignoring that oh, wait, you're working through a pandemic. It's okay to be tired <laughs> and to take some time. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that, you know, there's no great guidebook on how to manage a, a pandemic because we haven't really as a country had too many major instances in our lifetime that looked like this. Uh-huh. Uh, sure. So I think that, you know, it, it's tough to know how it should look, but knowing that in general, when a community or a country is living in crisis that some other things that we might notice are things like fatigue. If you're noticing yourself Mm -hmm. more fatigued than usual, that's also pretty normal. 
Um, our sleep cycles get kind of impacted when our general routines are disrupted. So we're not getting up at, you know, the same time and doing our usual commutes, getting to the gym, doing those things that gives our body those cues to sleep. So our sleep gets thrown off. Plus, depending on how you're coping with, you know, the threat of, um, of COVID-19, that could also increase anxiety, which can make us feel more tired. It's our, our brain is constantly working on problem solving and protecting us. Um, so if you're feeling more tired than usual, if you don't feel like you have the energy you normally would to plug through your work activities or whatever, just know that that's, that's okay, that's normal, and it's okay to take care of yourself during that time. I ignored it for a long time during this, and it caught up to me this weekend, and I've been more gentle with myself and felt myself better able to show up when I needed to show up if I gave myself that permission. Wow. I'm glad I'm glad you got a chance to... to sort of reset and and gave yourself that permission to do so. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's it's challenging because especially for anybody who works in any kind of helping field right now or a service field, right? And you're still yeah. actively doing your job. We love what we do because we love giving and we love helping others. But I mean, it goes back to that old adage of once the cup is empty, where do you pour from? And realizing that we're going through it too. We're going through the pandemic, you know, in both the psychologist role, the coach role, knowing that I need to really fill myself up if I'm going to be there for anybody else. And that that's actually, that's an okay thing to do. That it doesn't have to constantly be go, go, go and give, 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 because otherwise I'm not going to have much to give. That is so on point, you know, and especially like you said, if anybody who's in a service field, you know, education, human services, psychology, uh, the list can go Mm -hmm. on and on. I just, you know, my mind just went straight there. But where do you get your energy from? And, you know, I love the point that you made about that we're constantly problem solving at this point, Mm -hmm. right? Because even if it's not work, like even let's take work out for a second, right? You know, going to the grocery store is very different, right? You may have to look at different times who can go, who can't Mm -hmm. go, right? You know, you may be like, I I know I've had to go out and take, you know, get groceries for my parents who are very close to 70. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure you take a mask with you, right? So life looks very different. If I need to go to the bank, I have to go to a different bank because my local branch closed. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm giving these kind of daily tasks, but think about how much processing we all have to do now. It's very different than our routine was two months ago. Right. Yeah. A lot of those automatic tasks that used to be more like you could go on autopilot because it was a habit are now in that new stage of relearning um, how to do it and also figuring out what the necessary precautions are in order to do it efficiently and safely. Um, So our brain is working a lot harder than sometimes we give it credit for, because just like you said, um, things that used to be more rote, like going to the grocery store are not the same anymore, even ordering groceries, right? Um, You go through that debate of what do I do if this is out and it's getting dropped to my house? What's the safest way for me to bring the groceries in and clean them? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's even our automated things are not as automatic as we sometimes think. So to, give yourself permission in that time to give yourself extra rest and um, know that you're not the only one hitting, hitting bed early these days <laughs> because yeah. it's, our bodies are exhausted. Our brains are exhausted. Uh, you know, and it's so funny you say that because the last few days, okay, I officially have a whipped coffee addiction. It is bad. <laughs> um, before I discovered whipped coffees, I only drink one coffee a day because I love mm-hmm. coffee, right? And then I found this and we'll drink it at like four or five o'clock. And Peter's like, I, I don't sleep very well. Like it takes me a while to go to sleep. 
Mm-hmm. And the last few days, I've been having this with coffee. It's got espresso in it. And I'm sleeping. Like, I'm yeah. asleep. And he's like, what just happened? He's like, you know, he's like, I'm really proud of you. You have a second coffee and you're in bed by midnight, right? So yeah. as much as it's a joke between us, my body's like, I'm tired. We're going to go to sleep right now. Thank you. See you in the mm-hmm. morning. Right. Um, so that's a great yeah. point that you also bring up with this. Right. So, yeah. And it's, it's a different kind of tired too. Right. Cause it's like your brain working overtime versus it's not like a body tired. Mm-hmm. It's that exhaustion. You know, you get to that point at the end of the day where like, I cannot make another decision right now. And I just need to log off. You know, my right. brain just needs to log off. That's, 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 beautiful point to say like we all need to log off and it's you know as we talked about on our podcast together a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. you know at what point do you log off what's like you could keep working it would be so easy to keep working now yeah and sometimes that's a great distraction you know like you're not thinking about the other things when you're focused on getting the work done and sometimes like being productive can give us that like feel good feeling right like i checked yeah. so many things off the list um but realizing and assessing afterwards how you're feeling once that is checked off the list are you tapping out all of your energy and you're exhausted um are you feeling are you starting to get those signs of burnout where you're like irritable or you can't take any more on or you're like i i need a day off yeah. um and working on, I think boundaries right now are more important than ever. They just look different than what they used to be. Um, it's, it's figuring out when to log off for the workday. It's setting boundaries around how much time you want to spend staring at a screen. Some of us have more stamina than others. If you did computer stuff before, you're probably like, this is, you know, this is old news. But uh, I've been texting with some friends, especially people who are teachers that were actively in front of students before. And they're mm-hmm. like, I'm just so tired after staring at a laptop screen for yep. eight hours a day. Um, setting boundaries with the news is another one. Being able to tap out. Um, and I like the guidance of like, you get to that point in the news of what information am I getting from this that's helping me? Right. Am I getting information that helps me to stay safe? Is this giving me information that makes me hopeful? Is it something I need to know? Right. Uh, and when you get past that, wondering like, well, why why am I staying attached to the news? Because over time it does start to wear on your mental health. It does. It really does. And you know, we're so there's so many ways we could find the news nowadays, right? You don't just mm-hmm. I remember growing up, it was you watch the news at five o'clock, right? Now it's mm-hmm full news channels, you log on uh, Facebook, Instagram, all of that, like, it's so easy to see the messages, right? So back to the boundaries of having um, the opportunity to cut off. Yeah. Oh, it's so important. And also knowing with other people, if you have somebody who constantly wants to talk about the statistics and things like that, and you start to notice it impacting your mental health, that it's okay to assert those boundaries and take care of yourself. Think of yourself like what would you give that, you know, what kind of advice would you give your best friend and then take it for yourself? (laughs) You don't have to respond to the text right away. You don't have to pick up every call if it's starting to hurt you um, and make you more nervous than you were before you talked to that person. Good point. So now again, we're in this like week six or seven, we really don't know when things are going to end. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. You know, Mm -hmm. is there anything that you've read or seen about like, how do we handle the next you know, we know at least four weeks, you know, what about, how do we, 
what do we do next with the uncertainty? Have you read anything about that? I'm curious. Yeah, I think one of the the biggest concepts that applies here is something that um, is called it's called locus of control, right? Mm -hmm. We have certain things that we have power and control over and certain things that we don't. Um, and the thing that brings us the most anxiety typically is the stuff that we don't have that control over. So we don't have control over, you know, if the numbers are rising, right? We don't, while right. we can, you know, try to influence politics and things like that. Um, we also don't have control over what date this is all going to end or, you know, um, what laws and precautions are going to be put in place unless you work in politics and that's a different situation. But for most of us, these are things that are outside of our control. Right. So we can focus all of our time and energy on worrying about that stuff. But worrying, unfortunately, does not have a great success rate of changing those things. Of course not. Yeah. So something that can make us feel more grounded and more ourselves during this time is to focus on what we can control. Um, so thinking of things like, can I make sure that I have the necessary materials to be safe in my house, right? Do I have the mask for when I go out, the hand sanitizer, <laughs> the toilet paper, which yep. still has not yet seemed to um, kind of, I was waiting for that one to plateau and become not so stringent anymore, but I guess we're still there. Well, um, I, I may have hope for you because we went grocery shopping this weekend and when we got to Target, it was, I actually saw toilet paper on the shelves. Oh my goodness. Okay. So maybe we're turning a corner there. Yeah. And Costco, <laughs> I went there at like one o'clock yesterday and there was toilet paper. So that gave me some hope. All right. So we're, we're starting to turn a corner. So again, looking at those things you can control, can you make sure that you have, again, enough, you don't need to track the whole shelf, but things that make you feel safe and grounded in your home, knowing like, okay. <laughs> When I come home, I know that I have the disinfected and I have my vinegar ready to get my my groceries clean. Yep. Um, I know I can plan my schedule and what I'm going to do for the day. I can control, for the most part, what happens within my four walls of my home. Yep. Not to say asserting control over everything is going to feel good, but to realize that there are small changes we can make for ourselves that will make us feel more safe and grounded during a time where everything is sort of up in the air. Yep. Okay. Um, and I think that gratitude, when you can find it, is one of the best tools that we can use right now, right? Because we can go two sides of the coin. We can get frustrated over every little thing that is not going the way we would anticipate. Or, I mean, there are endless studies telling you how just tiny gratitude practices can make a huge difference in our positivity, our endorphin release, just how we see the world. So even if it's listing three small things you're grateful for that day from like, having enough coffee to make that whipped coffee today and um, the sun being out after days of rain. It's a mindset shift that can really empower us to um, see the world as a much less scary place than if we t go and feed into the negative. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, just taking that one little bit. And again, if you live in Connecticut, last week it was, I think it was last week, it snowed a little bit. And then we had, we had every weather last week, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and then today to have this beautiful sunshine day, I think, you know, I, I was just able to go on a walk with my dog and I wasn't mm. freezing. So I was so grateful for that. Right. <laughs> that just made me happy. Um, so do you have any... So, you know, in addition to that, are there anything, um, is there anything else you would recommend during this time that people, you know, some strategies or some tips um, that could be helpful to them? 
Yeah, um, I think that one of the biggest things, I mean, it, in, in all areas of life, but especially right now, is if you're in a home with other people or you still have to connect with coworkers or your children, communicating where your feelings are during this time and what you need is one of the most valuable things out there. Um, one of my favorite uh, exercises that I've seen um, from a friend that's a counselor, her name is Shannon Moyer. She posted this on her Instagram where one day, her and her family started with what they needed from each other that day, because oh. this is such an unprecedented time that we we can't anticipate the other people in our homes to be mind readers, right? right? They we're all at different stages with those feelings, especially on that like grief cycle that we're going through. So yeah. communicating like today I need space, today I need extra hugs, today I just need kind words, whatever it is will alleviate the stress down the line of when you're struggling with whether or not your needs are getting met in your home. Right. Um, so if you just put it out there, and I know it can be really uncomfortable. There are different ways to do this. Like um, when she posted hers, they actually wrote it on a whiteboard when they had the conversation, which I think was great. You could just write that like today I need. And, mm. you know, that way, if that's outside of your comfort circle to just walk up to somebody and, and say that, that's okay. But put it out there in some way or a sticky note or whatever it is, um, just so that we're all trying to support each other. We just sometimes don't know how. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a really great idea, right? And I, I can't help but wonder if this will help um, family members communicate more often, you know, or more, um, more than just the surface level, right? Have meaningful connections. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about our, our sources of conversation have changed. You know, it's not where are you going today? What are you doing today? When's the game? When's your presentation? That's right. We're, we're given a lot of time to have a lot of other deeper conversations. Um, and I think it's a great time to embrace that, to really get to know each other and know a little bit more about the internal workings of the other people that we're residing with instead of just being like passing ships in the night when our schedules were so busy before. Right. Um yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I've had a few conversations with some of my friends, too, about, like, you know, marriage, right? Like, how are you doing with your spouse mm. in the house, right? And, you know, honestly, I've heard more positive feedback. I've heard more people say, like, I think this is actually helping our marriage. Like, we're mm -hmm. working things out or we're having conversations or it's just nice to be together. So I'm really um, curious to see what data shows later on about, like, marriages after after this quarantine. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think what's interesting is the whole situation is kind of like uh, our lives were kind of like shaken snow globes for a while and everything has fallen and you're seeing what really lies there. Um, mm -hmm. So in a way for relationships, especially if the two of you have been especially busy for a long time, this is a great time right. to get back to what that initial connection was and what was in common and what you enjoyed about each other instead of all the things you both had to do. Um, right. So it's all a matter of perspective, right? It's either you're going to glaringly see some things that you could work on in your relationship, or right. maybe you're going to see some things that you're, you're grateful for and that you have more time for right now, or maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, right. And to understand we're all kind of walking that journey right now. So it's, it's a very normal experience and embrace it. And, you know, in some ways, I think it's, it's cool to memorialize this in some way because someday someone's going to ask us what happened during the pandemic, right? Our kids, grandkids, whatever. So um, take notes, take pictures, whatever, track what's going on during this time because it's going to be significant, be it positive, negative, or somewhere in the middle. Um, right. But it gives us a chance to process when we do track kind of what our experiences were during this time. 
And I think it'll, and, and a couple of things to that, because I think it'll not only help us even process like what's going on, you know, to reflect on a picture or, you know, collecting these, these types of artifacts. Right. Um, but also mm-hmm. me and my, my research brain, because I always go there first. Right. You know, <laughs> at first I, I felt paralyzed by it's like, what do I do? Like what direction? Nothing feels right. You know? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no, we need to get back to podcasting. We need to have the podcast is a type of artifact from this. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we're actually recording what's happening. Right. I'm going to submit something um, like an article to go in because I think it's just so important for us not only to remember, but like you said, show grandchildren, you know, nieces, nephews, like my nephews are five and three right now. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not they're They learn speak English. Lisa. <laughs> they're, they're, they're living through it. They're not in school, but they're not going to remember much. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important. And I, and I've always had that approach because my grandparents lived through world war two, you know, mm-hmm. all, all of them. So, but what do they have to show me from it? Like it was their stories, you know, and yep. technology back then. So I think it's really important that we can um, share what's happening for future generations too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's, it's one of those things that like, it's, it's a sign of the times. We have all of these really cool electronic resources to use for it. So taking those pictures, I was sitting in on a board that was talking about journaling. Someone was talking about photo journaling and they're just doing one photo a day that kind of captures what that day was like during quarantine for them. Wow. And imagine being able to look back on that and use that as a, as a starting point to tell your story um, for other, you know, hopefully future generations don't, have this kind of experience we don't know yet um but to be able to tell them what we live through and what we learn from it is going to be extremely valuable and also it's good for our mental health i agree i totally agree and especially like we're talking you know uh, what our conversation has been about a lot of the unknowns and not having lived through this right but a Mm -hmm. lot of if we record it it can inform hopefully we never have a pandemic you know again um but should anything else happen we have a record of how to inform them Oh, yeah. I mean, you think of uh, while the records are very old, while they're talking about the last, we do still refer to the last pandemic that happened in the United States, even if it was over 100 years ago, as a way to look back and say what could have been done differently so that we don't repeat history. So we're kind of doing that right now. We are. And we're we're looking a lot because I know I've seen a lot of articles about opening too soon. Right. The fear Mm -hmm. of opening too soon, just like before it opened too soon. And the second wave was actually worse. Right. You know. So, Diana, thank you so much for all those tips and on in focus on the quarantine um, and what people can do at this time. But I wanted to kind of just shift a little bit. Um, we had talked about it before as our "What I Wish I Knew" kind of sub series, right? Oh, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you have been listening to the podcast, you know I debuted this with my interview with Kevin Unglad of the Wise Guys podcast, where mm-hmm. we have a sub series where I ask the guests what they wish they knew about a particular topic, right? So, with Kevin, we talked about what he wished he knew about college, right? Um, so, with Diana, she is willing to share what she wished she knew about mental health right and I think this is so important so uh just a couple of thoughts or you know a few questions here you know what is something if you're looking back I don't know college or your younger self right what would you tell your younger self about mental health a lot of things let me tell you Lisa a lot of things um because I'll let you in on a little secret most of us in mental health 
are here for a reason. And uh, it's not something that I, I shy away from at all. In fact, I talk about it on the podcast was my own mental health journey. So when mm -hmm. I thought of this question, I was thinking of things that would have made the process easier for myself if I had understood this about mental health e earlier. So sure. um, I think one of the number one things was to know that there's a lot more involved in mental health than just what happens inside of your brain. Mm. And what I mean by that is uh, a lot of us, you know, if we've ever had any type of um, time where we were mentally unhealthy, right, be it depression, anxiety, eating disorders, PTSD, whatever it is, we can sometimes start to think that it's an us. It's an us problem, right? My brain is broken. I'm different than everyone else. But there are so many other layers to consider when it comes to those things. And that's been part of my own journey is realizing the impact of the communities you grow up in, um, mm. the experiences you have growing up. What are the messages from the bigger world around you? You know, looking at especially mes messages, you know, personally speaking, that women get growing up and what that impact was on me. Mm. Um, I realized that it wasn't entirely a me having a broken brain kind of approach, but realizing that there are so many layers to it um, and that it part of it is working through all of that in order to... Um, to move and to grow and also to forgive ourselves and others. Wow. That is so important. What you just said. I mean, you say you have so many awesome things that you said out throughout this podcast. Uh, so, but that's so important because I, I see that when we talk about mental health, you know, as a society, we talk about the flaws on the person, right? Yep. We say that person is, you know, has this, right? Versus looking at the wider picture, right? What, what mm -hmm. are the causes? What are the underlying issues? What um, has led to that, right? Right. Um, I think there's this really great Freud quote that's usually attributed to him. Not sure if he actually said it, but it was right. one of these, like the essence of it was something like, before you go ahead and, um, you know, get yourself diagnosed as depressed, just make sure you're not surrounded by a bunch of, and I'll spare the word because it's not a, <laughs> yes, it's, I know. It's cool. <laughs> yes. But I think that that's such an important perspective to take is that our environment around us can have so much impact on us. So rather than seeing it as a problem in with just you, and it's something that you did look at those systems around you. I mean, there's reasons we see higher levels of mental health needs in, populations that are impacted by poverty or war and things like that. It's not just, you know, your brain is wired differently. The world right. has a huge impact on how we feel about ourselves. Right. And, and a lot of this, and this goes back to our wider conversation as well, right? You know, oftentimes we don't talk about the effects of trauma, right? On, on mental health, mm. right? Like we, like, I think we do when you're in the field, I'm saying society as a lot as large, right? So because I've yeah. seen articles on it, but, you know, at this point, too, we are all experiencing a collective trauma. Yes, this is yeah. a collective trauma. And what are again to our earlier conversation about how we feel about it, but what are going to be sort of the long term results, right? Like I talked to a few colleagues, like, are we going to be shopping the same? Are we going to be interacting the same after this? Right. But we're mm -hmm. all relating to a collective trauma, right? And what's going to mm -hmm. happen. But we all understand what's going on right now, right? But we mm -hmm. don't talk about an individual's trauma and why, yes. what led to that, right? Yeah. So Yeah, it, it's such an important point. I mean, someone was joking around another podcast I was listening to about like, we're at one point we're going to be saying like, hey, remember when we used to actually shake a person's hand? You know, like... Mm -hmm. And, and it's such a change, like our culture is changing because of this. And that's traumatic. 
And it was, and it, you know, to that point too, uh, in the beginning of this, right, I would almost sometimes forget the social distancing. Like mm-hmm. I would go up to like shake somebody's hand or, you know, like I'm Polish. So like if you see someone, you kiss them on the cheek, right? Yep. And then now I don't even question it. I just stay a certain amount of spaces away, right? Like I'm physically distant, right? Mm -hmm. So I could even say like in my motions, my, my uh, behavior has already, my behavior and my actions have already changed. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's another grieving process in and of itself, right? It's not just the things that are canceled. It's how our, our life and our culture and our customs change in the process that it's okay to be sad about those things changing too, and realizing they're going to have an impact on us. Of course. Of course. And I'm sorry I took you away from, from the, what I wish I knew part. I didn't mean it. It was just, it just kind of flew there. That's okay. So, Important you know, conversations. Yes, they are. And um, so, okay. So what, what would you have done differently? Like, would you, what would you tell your younger self to do differently? Oh, I would tell myself um, to remember that to help others, you don't have to necessarily be quote unquote, perfect yourself. And that there is strength and vulnerability that actually sharing your story and admitting the harder times is one of the strongest things that you can do. And it helps people even more than just coming in and swooping in and trying to fix their problems. Actually, some of the biggest uh, one of the biggest myths in psychology is that you go to a therapist and the therapist tells you how to to fix your problems. But actually, we're guiding people along so that they can realize how to fix their own problems listening is more helpful than fixing other people's problems because if we fix it for them, we're, we're taking away the empowering time where they get to step in and be the heroes in their own story. One of my professors, when I was in counseling, they said something and it's not verbatim, but it pretty much is the truth because everyone thinks they come to a therapist for the answers and for the fix. Of course. Right? <laughs> um, and she said something to the effect of people already know the answer. You're just guiding them to it as a therapist. That is a really good way to put it. Yeah. Yep. And I, like, I'll never forget that because people know what the answer is. You're just facilitating conversations and interventions to help them get to the answer themselves. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was one of the biggest shifts in my day job, as well as, you know, the stuff for watered grass was once I realized that I didn't have to step in and necessarily present all the solutions, but open up the floor mm. to the conversation for people to get to them on their own, that um, it really started to take off and make sense and everything started to click and it took um, some of the pressure off of me so that I could get more into the flow of it and the creativity of it. So, um, you know, even if you're somebody who just happens to be that friend that gets leaned on from time to time, listening does not mean you necessarily have to fix a, the problem for somebody. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just reflect back what someone is saying to you so they can hear it in, you know, from a voice that's not theirs. It helps them to process. Yeah. That is so true. I mean, you said that I went straight to the pressure, you know, thinking about the pressure mm-hmm. um, that we could just be putting on ourselves. And sometimes like, why do I feel stressed out? You're like, oh, wait, I'm doing it to myself. Yes. Most <laughs> of the time it's, it's our own uh, stories in our head, this own yeah. expectations, but um, yeah, starting to witness those and pull those apart. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother episode right there. But oh, that totally <laughs> is. I think we'll leave it at, give yourself permission to just be there to listen. Oh my gosh. Diana, thank you so much for all the wisdom that you have shared with us this afternoon. I am just blown away. I 
I, I love this interview already and no one's heard it just yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It, it feels really good to talk about these things and connect with other people and just, you know, share the resources that we do have right now. Nobody has the answers for how to get through this thing, but if we all share a little bits of wisdom, we'll get there. That's, that's so true. So true. So again, where can my, uh, where can my audience find you and ask for some more of your wonderful wisdom? Oh, you can go to wateredgrass.com. You will see information there. That's, um, different podcast episodes, upcoming events. We're doing a lot of online events right now on stress yes. management, um, and also some opportunities for coaching. So if, you're struggling with how to get through this time and figure out the habits that can help you to feel a little bit more grounded and safe during this time, we can definitely work together. So you go check that out there. And the podcast is available on any of your favorite podcast apps, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Wonderful. Go check them all out. Start following Diana. I am so blessed that I have been following along with her. And again, I'm just so grateful that you were able to join us today. Thank you all so much. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Visit us at www.bellsnotebook.com. Subscribe to our email list for all of our updates. Like us on social media. And thank you for following along.